Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to discuss from a biblical perspective. Maybe you have a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. We've got a whole community of people who tune in every day for this show who would be happy to pray for you and pray with you here on the air and say amen as we lift you up to the Lord and your needs. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. Here at the beginning of the show, always the best time to call in to get on the air. Maybe you've been meaning to do it for a while. You have a question, and I want to encourage you. Also, your question could be the answer to somebody else's question who's too shy to call in or not in a position where they can call in. So we'd love it if you would give us a call. And here at the beginning of the show is a great time to do so. So here's the number to call once again. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Text line is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening to Calvary Live in Colorado and Wyoming. You are hearing this program live today. And we also want to welcome those of you who are listening on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and up into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you're tuning in today, wherever you're tuning in from. And we want to remind you that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, so Hope FM and Truth FM, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we would love for you to just know that, but we still want you to call in, and then you guys have a unique opportunity, actually, because you're on a delay, where you get to tune in a week later and hear yourself on the radio. And, and I want to just encourage you, that's not just to hear yourself. That's a golden opportunity for you to say to somebody you know, me, friends, family, say, hey, I'm going to be on the radio on this channel on this day at this time. And I'd love it if you would tune in and listen. And that is a way that you can introduce them to your local Christian station broadcasting the Word of God out in your local area. And as that happens, you know, more and more people tune in and here at Grace FM and myself, you know, we have just gotten, we just continuously get testimonies of people who say, I've been listening to this show. I've grown so much through it. Um, we get messages from people saying they've come to know the Lord and given their life to the Lord through it or rededicated their life. So this is a great thing. We'd love it if you'd help us get the word out about your local station where you're listening on right now, whether that's Grace FM here in Colorado and Southern Wyoming, or whether that's Truth FM on the East Coast or uh, Hope FM up there in the uh, Eastern Seaboard area. So we're so glad that you're tuning in today. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions, 
your prayer requests. We want to pray for you and hopefully bring clarity where there's been a lack of that for you. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Before I go on about that, let me just say a big hello to everyone tuning in online. I saw that we have um, some international listeners. That's the beauty of listening online is that you can join this program no matter where you are in the world. So we have listeners from Ukraine, from Germany, and from South Africa tuning in right now. We're so glad that you guys are with us. We also have people listening all over the United States, uh, quite a few over on the East Coast, um, all up and down the middle, middle America, from Chicago down to uh, the, we see Texas and Houston and Dallas. We have people listening a lot in Colorado and a lot in the, looks like West Coast areas, Southern California, up into Washington. Glad to have you guys tuning in. And those of you tuning in online, you're hearing the show live. We also encourage you guys, if you haven't done so yet, it'd be great if you'd go over and get our app. So we have a great free app, Grace FM app. You can get it on your tablet and on your phone for, for free. Just type in Grace FM as one word in the search bar. It'll come up. You put it on your device, and you can listen anywhere in the world, uh, anywhere in the country for free all the time to this program and everything else that is broadcast here on Grace FM. So, again, I was telling you about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church located here in Longmont, Colorado. I'm your host here on Grace FM, or sorry, on Calvary Live every Friday. And I have been filling in these last couple Tuesdays for Jeff Figs from Greeley, Colorado. It's been a good time filling in for you, and I love having, love taking your calls. It's just a privilege to get to spend this hour with you as you're driving or as you're listening in your office or wherever you're tuning in today. Uh, if you are in the Longmont area, I'd just like to take this opportunity to personally invite you to join us for service at Whitefields Church, the church I pastor here in Longmont. We just moved. We moved into an amazing location on the east side of Longmont, so we're right in between, I guess you'd call it the city center of Longmont and I-25. So that's also been really good for a lot of people in our church who are commuters. We have a lot who come from Frederick, Firestone, Decono, and the Mead area, also Erie and Berthoud. We have people who come from Boulder and, of course, a lot from Longmont and Lyons. And so if you're in any of those towns, we'd love it if you join us for church on Sunday morning. Uh, you can join us in person and online. So we have a full um, church online, but we also have church service in person. And today, Governor Jared Polis announced that churches are now allowed to have um, increased numbers of people in the sanctuary. So first it was 100, I think it was 50, and then it went up to, I think it was 125. Now it's up to 175 per service. So we're excited about that. Um, that's good for us. So we are able and ready and welcome, of course, with CDC regulations, with state guidelines as far as social distancing and keeping safe, you know, having a lot of hand sanitizer, wearing masks, creating a touchless environment so you don't have to open doors, etc. We're doing prepackaged communion. All that to say, we're taking a lot of precautions, and we would love it if you'd come worship with us. If you're looking for a place to worship this Sunday or looking for a church home, come visit us. Our church is located, here's the address for you, 2950 Colorful Avenue. So 2950 Colorful Avenue here in Longmont, Colorado. We are just on the north side of Highway 119, also called Ken Pratt Boulevard. We're just on the north side 
right directly across from Sandstone Ranch Community Park. In fact, I'm looking out my window and I can see the soccer field there at Sandstone. I can see the skate park uh, and I see the flat irons there in Boulder right behind it. So it's an awesome view out the window, but we've, we're just on, just to the north of the Walmart here on Ken Pratt and just to the east of the new Longs Peak Hospital, the UC Health Hospital here in Longmont. So we're just east of County Line Road and Highway 119. Again, the address 2950 Colorful Avenue. Our services are at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. We'd love to have you come worship with us and study the word. We're studying the life of Elijah starting this Sunday as we study journey through First and Second Kings. We have gotten to the life of Elijah, and I'm really excited about this Sunday's message. It's called A Dry Brook and a Full Jar. A Dry Brook and a Full Jar. I'll tell you more about what that is if I have time today, but I'd love it if you join us. You can also join us online for church on our website, whitefieldschurch.com, or on our YouTube or Facebook. Those are YouTube slash youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch, facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch. Love it if you'd connect with us online in any way, Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. And you can also tune into our daily radio program here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time every day, um, every weekday, Monday to Friday, and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So let's go to our first caller, Patrick in Pennsylvania. Hi, Patrick. Welcome to the program. Hi. Good to have you. What's up? Thank you. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Awesome. Uh, I have a question uh, concerning uh, uh, Jesus' time in his tomb. Um, Yes. So I uh, quite uh, uh, as simply as possible, where did Jesus go between the time he was laid in his tomb and he, uh, risen in the Spirit, appeared to uh, the disciples? Yes, good question. Um, I'm going to pull up something I wrote on this topic. And uh, this will give us a good kind of overview. So I wrote an article on this a couple months ago called Did Jesus Go to Hell? So if anybody's interested, and uh, including you, you can go to my website, nickkady.org, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org, and just type in the search bar, Did Jesus Go to Hell? The article will come right up. And here's why it's interesting, because the Apostles' Creed addresses your question there. And here's what the Apostles' Creed says. Uh, it says that Jesus descended into hell. Now, that's that's a really interesting thing. It's a slightly misleading. It's even a misleading translation. I'll tell you why. Because the Apostles' Creed, which was written um, before the 4th century A.D. at least. So we're not exactly sure when it was written, but it's pretty old. And um, the older translations of the text, well, let's put it this way. The oldest version of the text is in Greek. And the oldest version... Um, I could read it to you in Greek if you want, but the point is that it literally means that Jesus descended to the bottom. And in Latin, when they translated that from Greek into Latin, they translated it, uh, the word bottom, as inferos, from which we get our word um, inferno, like Dante's Inferno, and that's been translated as hell. But a lot of people, including myself, and actually most theologians today would say that's not a good translation to say that he went to hell because it's not completely accurate according to what the Bible says. And it's, it's also an unnecessary um, kind of translation, right? So l- I'll explain. Uh, the reason, it should be rather understood that Jesus, dur- during that time when he was in the grave, he descended into Sheol. Now, Sheol is not the same thing as hell. Sheol is more than hell. Now, Sheol, in the Jewish mind, 
was the dwelling place of all deceased souls. And that means both those who died in faith and those who died apart from faith. And what we see in Luke chapter 16 is that there was a division in Sheol which uh, separated, um, it separated Abraham's bosom, which is where those who died in faith went when they died, awaiting the work of the Messiah, Jesus, that he would later complete, and, and Hades, which is also called hell. So just so I'm clear again, Sheol is the dwelling place of all souls, and it was divided. We see this very clearly explained in Luke 16, where Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus, which is interestingly not a parable. It, so it almost sounds like it's a parable, but if you read it, he's telling a story, not a parable. And so here's what happened, long and short, and I can go into more of these if you have further questions. But Jesus descended into Sheol, and from Sheol, what did he do? Here's some verses to look up, like 1 Peter 3.19 and 1 Peter 4.6. Basically, Jesus went into Sheol um, to proclaim to all the souls what he did on the cross. Now, for some of them, this was a message of liberation, and for others, it was a message of condemnation. So for those who were in Hades, it wasn't that they were hearing this message so that they could be set free from Hades. It was rather just to declare to them that, there, that this is what had happened. Jesus had defeated Satan, sin, and death, but... They, um, I guess, just kind of telling them about their, their, their condemnation. Whereas for the others, you know, it says like in Ephesians, Jesus led the captives in his train. And the idea there is that Jesus took these people who died in faith in Abraham's bosom and they, uh, he took them to the express presence of God. So he emptied out that part of Sheol. The other part, Sheol, Hades, hell is still there. But if you were to die today, you would go to the presence of God, as Paul says, to be absent from the flesh is to be present with God. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, uh, you've certainly, uh, it's what I was interested in is some uh, verses to study that through. And uh, I'll definitely look up your article. Um, thank you very much. You bet. God bless you. Bye -bye. Yeah, you too, Pastor Nick. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines. It's a perfect time to call in. We can get you on the air quickly. Let's go to our second caller, Ben in Firestone, Colorado. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the program. Hi, Nick. Thanks. Um, my question was, I have a couple major decisions. I'm, I'm, uh, or I'm in a dilemma. Um, basically, either staying here in the Longma area, Firestone Longma area, or moving out of state. And um, basically, I want to like know what God's will is for it, and like how to ask or appropriately ask for a sign, like Gideon did, mm -hmm. just to get wisdom on that. Sure. So. I'll be clear with you. I don't think that what Gideon did was a, a good thing, nor is it a model for us to follow. I think that God was very um, generous and very gracious to Gideon. Here's why. If you look at it the first time, so God tells uh, Gideon what to do. So here's, here's why the whole situation with Gideon is not a good model for us. First of all, God tells Gideon what to do. And then Gideon's like, okay, so could you give me a sign so I know this is really what I should do? Well, 
like if if we already if Gideon already knows that that's what he's supposed to do, why is he asking for a sign? That's actually a sign of Gideon's. I guess you would say, and I don't mean this harshly, but I mean it, it was kind of a sign of his his weakness because. But here's the good news: God was gentle with Gideon in his weakness, and also gentle a second time because. Here's what's so crazy, right? The first time he asked for a sign and he gets it with the fleece, you know, the fleece being wet, the ground being wet, the fleece being dry. But then he, he flips it, right? And he says, okay, well, that one sign you gave me was not enough for me. Now I want another sign. And he asked for it to be done the opposite way. And then he finally does it. But, but here's the thing. Like, first of all, he already knew the first time around. He didn't need even the first sign. And the second sign, I mean, at that point, uh, and everybody should be glad, and I'm sure, you know, everyone's glad that I'm not God. But if I was God, I'd be, I'd be probably pretty frustrated with that. Um, but yet, God was so patient uh, with Gideon. So here's the deal. You could ask for a sign, um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with asking for a sign, uh, but just understand this. God is not in any way obligated to give it to you. Because, you know, even Jesus, do you remember his, his talk with the people in his day? They said, give us a sign that what you are saying is true. And he said, you know, an, an adulterous generation seeks a sign. He, and he said, you know, what, what more signs do you need? Here, here I am. I, you've had signs. He actually took it as an insult. Um, you guys have had so many signs. You haven't responded to them. Now you're asking for another. And he says, the only sign that will be given to you is the sign of the prophet Jonah, right? The Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights and then be resurrected. So, number one, I would say this. If you, you, you can ask for a sign, but understand that God's not obligated to give it to you. He may out of his grace and kindness. So, I would say that's the first thing. The second thing is this. I think there are other ways to seek God's will than asking for signs. And I would start with some of these other ways first. And those other ways would be, number one, in his word. Now, clearly that in his word, right, we have a little bit more general will of God revealed, right? Because he's not going to tell you, you know, Ben, there's no Bible verse that says, Ben, move out of state, right? Nor is there a Bible verse that says, Ben, stay in Colorado. So in that thing, but you want to make sure that you're checking your motives. And then as you read the word, are there any biblical principles that can guide you? That would be one thing I'd say. The second thing I would say is seek out godly counsel. Now, this also takes a bit of discernment because, you know, what if you ask two people and they both give you different advice? I would say seek out godly counsel. Seek out people who really want to help you follow the will of God. We see in Acts chapter 13, do you remember that part where it says that there were people praying in the church in Antioch and as they were praying, the Holy Spirit spoke through someone and said, you know, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to, and they sent them off on the first missionary journey. So all those things to say, I think best place to start, the word of God, the godly counsel, but through the whole of it, you're going to be having to seek God personally to give you confirmation. Now that that's a very subjective thing, right, to, to receive confirmation. Um, yeah. we, we really want to check our motives in this because a lot of times, you know, on a bad day, here's what can happen. And I've seen it happen so many times. People will say, God led me to do something. But, you know, you and I both know that, that that's really just what that person wanted to do. They're just trying to um, basically put it on God so that they don't have to say that I made this decision. 
and take the responsibility for it. So I'll give you one last thought, and that's this, that when it comes to seeking God's will, I think that there, there might not be, you know, the clouds don't always open up and God says, Ben, stay in Colorado. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes I believe that, you know, within the will of God, he gives us the permission, the freedom to, to make choices. And I'll, I'll give you an example I used to use when I pastored in Hungary. I always used to tell people this because over there, it seemed like people were always, um, they would get like, what do you call it? Like paralyzed in seeking the will of God, right? They'd be like, well, I don't know what I should do. So they would end up doing nothing, which I think is in some cases worse. You know, I think there are some cases where it's, it's good to say, like Moses said, Lord, if you won't go with me, then I'm not going. But in some cases, you know, you'd see these people get paralyzed over some really simple decisions. And I would tell people sometimes, you know, it's kind of like this. Um, if you, you know, imagine that I have a child and my child, you know, wakes up one morning and, you know, yells from their room and says, hey, dad, I'm awake. Should I get out of bed? And I'd be like, yes, son. Uh, it'd be, yeah, yes, get out of bed. Okay, got it, dad. I'm going to get out of bed. Okay, next thing. Hey, dad, uh, should I put on pants? Uh, yes, son. Every day we want to put on pants, right? And then the next one would be like, hey, dad, what, what color pants should I wear? And I'd be like, you know what? I don't care. I just want you to wear pants. And I think that sometimes uh, with God that, that, you know, we have to deal with. God cares about details, but sometimes he gives us the freedom. Are you going to wear the white pants? Or are you going to wear the gray pants? He might leave that one up to you. And so I would say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will direct your path. But uh, I, would, I do want to pray for you. I realize I haven't given you perhaps uh, a really, you know, easy way, but I would say this is what we have with the Bible is rather than a uh, repair manual, like you would have, you know, do this to fix this. What the Bible gives us is it gives us uh, principles that God wants us to follow as we are led by and walk in the spirit. So any thoughts on that, Ben, or would you like me to just go ahead and pray for you? That's great. Um, thanks for giving clarity with the Gideon story. And just, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate all that. Um, yeah, thanks, Nick. Okay, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Ben. We just ask, Lord, that you give him so much wisdom, so much guidance. Um, in all of these ways that we've talked about today, whether it's um, godly counsel, Lord, whether it's principles from your word, I pray that you'd guide him by your spirit as he makes this decision to stay here in the Longmont area or move out of state. Lord, guide him, lead him, help him to see what are his underlying motives for wanting to do those things. And Lord, I pray you'd help him to, to truly, purely seek your will in this decision. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Nick. Appreciate it. You bet, Ben. You're right down the road from us. I don't know if you ever drive, if you ever drive 119, take a look over to the north. We just put up a huge sign that you can read from the road. Awesome. I'm actually driving down that way later today, so I'll check yeah. it out. Sounds good. God bless you. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listen to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we want to pray for you. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Joan in Pennsylvania. Hi, Joan. Welcome to the program. 
Hi, how are you doing? God bless you. Um, got a question based on some studying I was doing for a Sunday school class. A little bit of confusion between a Jewish calendar year of 360 days versus our year of 365 days. Mm-hmm. So it seems in any in everything I've read, and it seems to work out mathematically um, in valid um, studies that I've that I've read. The Daniel prophecies of the the seventy weeks that seems to go by the Jewish calendar of three hundred sixty days per year. Am I correct on that? Including the the seventh year, this sorry, the seventh week to come. Like, you know, um, 1,260 days equals three and a half years. And that yeah. seems to go by the prof- the Jewish calendar of 360 days per year. Am I right on that so far? I think so, yes. Okay. Um, then when I was looking at the the actual years um, by the, of, like, the Babylonian captivity, and I don't know if they're estimates or not, but... I saw that, um, like, the first captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, it happened in 605 B.C., and then the people actually started back to Israel in 536, which is 70 years. And I also noticed, like, the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., and it's um, renewal, its completion of the redone temple was 516 B.C., and it was a never, another 70 years. But then I was wondering, was that on the Jewish calendar or our calendar? Yeah, so to, make I, it, to make it even more confusing, we don't use the Julian calendar, right? We use the Gregorian calendar, brought in by Pope Gregory VIII in, what was it, uh, Oh, I'm trying to remember when the Gregorian calendar came about. Uh, yeah, I see now uh, around middle of the 11th century, the Gregorian calendar was introduced by Gregory VIII. So that makes it a little bit even more confusing. Not a whole lot more because there's an 11-minute difference between the Julian and the Gregorian calendar, um, which is, by the way, why uh, different churches celebrate Easter on different dates. Um, as well as Christmas in the in the Western Church, but mostly Easter, um, not really Christmas. Yeah, so here's the way it all kind of works out is that, you know, the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, and you're right that it has 360 days, but it also has um, has like corrections built into it because of the lunar uh, cycles. And so what you have with that is, um, so to give you an answer, I would believe it is based off of the Jewish lunar calendar not the julian calendar okay so even when and again i was looking at charts in my study bible you know that just simply went from 605 to 536 and 586 to 516 and i'm like i was kind of thinking like okay is that the jewish calendar of those countings or our our quote-unquote calendar and yeah, so that would be based on the Julian calendar and actually now the Gregorian calendar. But when the Jews were adding up those times, they're, of course, using the Jewish calendar. But as far as what your study Bible uses, your study Bible is using, I guess we could say, the Gregorian calendar. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so how those are reconciled, I would say, you asked, is it an estimate? I would say yes. In many cases, it is an estimate, but it's a pretty close estimate. Right. Yeah, it got me thinking that um, maybe the Jewish uh, con calibration of 360 seems to go more with prophetic stuff as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, for sure. That, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, if you hear, I don't know if you can hear the music, but uh, it means that we've come up to our mid-show break. So I have to let you go. But thank you for a very interesting discussion. Good job being a student of the Bible. Keep that up. Hey guys, we're going to be right back in thirty or in two minutes' time. We've got our mid-show break. We'll be right back. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts here on the air today on this show. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or maybe things that you need clarity for in your own life, or if you have a prayer request and you would like prayer for something, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to answer those questions. Give us a call. We've got one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Maynard in Frederick, Colorado. Hi, Maynard. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. What's up? Um, in the end of Revelation chapter 1, mm -hmm. John is seeing Jesus. He's got fiery eyes, the white hair, the brass feet. And then you read on and you get the letters of the seven churches, and then you go to chapter 4, and everybody's gathered around the 24 elders and the throne and all that, and they're screaming, who is worthy to open the scrolls? And in comes Jesus in as the picture of the slain lamb. Mm -hmm. He changes mm -hmm. from the coming king back to the slain lamb and there's no mention of it and i was just it's, it's you know i don't i don't know what to think of it um i don't really have no opinion i was just wow that's yeah that's a good observation there maynard i would tell you a few things on this um that these are of course aspects of who he is and we remember that this is a vision that john is having the other thing to remember in this is that, you know, when we receive our uh, resurrection bodies, our heavenly bodies that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you know, Paul says that these things are not like the bodies we have now. Now, it's really interesting looking at things and trying to piece together what it could be like, um, what these resurrection bodies might be like, and in what ways will they be different, what ways will they be the same. So one way that we can surmise they'd probably be similar it seems that when people see people who have this resurrection body that they still recognize them in some way so that's really interesting another part is though is that you know it's almost like the caterpillar butterfly 
thing where the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. In some ways it's the same, but in some ways it's completely different. So that's what we're dealing with here. Also keeping in mind that this is a vision in which he also talks about beasts rising from the earth, you know, and that's his way of describing a person who will actually live on the earth. And that person, we're, we understand that person doesn't actually look like a beast, you know, with seven heads and seven horns and all of these things. Um, so that describes an aspect of who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God slain from before the foundations of the earth. We see that his wounds apparently um, are visible throughout all of eternity. And yet he is, you know, this one with the flaming hair and eyes like fire. It's really interesting when you look in the Bible, you know, I think that I think that we see something continuously repeated over and over throughout the Bible, and that is that holiness is something oftentimes the the when people see Jesus in the Bible, in the different appearances, even in the Old Testament, Christophanies and Theophanies, times when we see Jesus, people are often extremely afraid when they see it. It's not like a warm, fuzzy feeling that they tend to be filled with. Uh, it's not usually, um, you know, like they're going to go and, and give him a hug and he's going to give you a noogie. But it's this kind of thing where people are like genuinely fearful and they often have to be told, do not be afraid. It's okay. I think about in First Kings when Solomon, you know, dedicates the temple and it says that the Shekinah glory of God fills the temple. And it says that the priests, they could not stand to be in that place because of the presence of God. I think about Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 where he, he catches this vision of God and his response is not, wow, this is great. His response is, woe is me. And I don't think that that means that you know we should have a negative sense of fear about God or Jesus, but what it means is that there should be a reverence. There's a weight to it, right? There's something that is so weighty about it. And, um, you know, I had this friend when I was growing up, I remember, and he would always talk about how Jesus was his buddy, and he really liked these songs about how Jesus is my best friend, and maybe that is, you know, something in his life that he really needed was friendship, companionship, and he found that in Jesus. It's certainly an aspect of who Jesus is. But I think that we have to counter that thought of Jesus is my friend and God is a friend. Jesus is a friend of sinners and Moses was the, or uh, sorry, is it Moses or Abraham? I'm forgetting now. The friend of God, right? But the, the point is that we have to balance that, the friendship of God, with the fact that he is God. And so we have to have that healthy sense of reverence as well at the same time. We see these different aspects, like a diamond, you know, looking at the different facets, the different sides of a diamond, and, um, and seeing the beauty of it by turning the diamond and looking at different parts of it. I just thought it was interesting, you know, here's the beloved apostle, John, and you would think he fell down like he was dead, he said, at Jesus' feet, and Jesus literally had to touch him with his right hand and say, do not be afraid. Yeah. And he, they were so intimate, and with with the transfigurations and the Olivet Discourse and all this, that them four apostles that were the inner circle of Jesus, and then 
you he's meeting him and right this which is which was and which is to come and then all of a sudden you see the throne room and the emerald rainbow and people gathered around and the elders gathered around and who is worthy and they describe Jesus as this slain lamb and it's like all right just it was just observation observation and i was just wanting your take on it yeah god that's is holy really good and god is righteous and and he can appear to anybody however he chooses but i just was thinking well something that I, 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 lack of english lack traumatic change from white hair fiery eyes breasts like feet back to the slain land there'd be some type of mention but you know thank you for your input and your time i um i appreciate your church and your efforts of helping everybody out there thank you oh you bet yeah you're right in our neck of the woods there maynard god bless you yes sir god bless you buddy all right bye-bye Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts live on the air today. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Juan in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Juan. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, thanks for holding. Uh, thank you. Thank you for taking, giving me the time to, you know, to talk to you. This is the first time, and God honestly been wanting me to do this, but I don't know. I've just been kind of fighting with him, too, for a little bit. Okay. What's up? Um, I'm asking for a prayer request for my father. Uh, he told me the other day that he's being, he has weird dreams of demons coming up to his bed and and telling him and laughing at him and he doesn't take it as serious as where I am, because I know we're in a spiritual warfare every day. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the battle of good and evil, and our thoughts are not a God thoughts. And what we do, in our, and we battle against flesh, we battle against our flesh and the Satan and, and all these temptations in this world, and I keep on telling him this stuff, but he doesn't want to take it. And I just request for some prayer and some guidance from and he was a pastor back in the day and he spoke the word of god very heavily very heavily and he was baptized and i know he knows the word of god but he's blinded at this moment i need some prayer for him right now yeah let's do that let's pray for him first then we can talk after so heavenly father we lift up juan's father to you lord you see that he's just experiencing spiritual attack uh, in the area of dreams, in the area of his thoughts. And Lord, it seems that he's not feeling as strong as he used to be in the Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray for him, Lord, that you would strengthen him in his inner man. We pray, Lord, that you would help him to put on the full armor of God. And Lord, I pray that as he does that, as he puts on that full armor of God, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen him and give him the uh, might. Lord, I think about what it says in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 6, which says, you know, put on the full armor of the Lord and be strong in the strength of his might. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help Juan's father to put on that full armor, to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Lord, 
help him to see that our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, Lord, I pray that he would uh, be able to stand in the evil day, Lord, with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness, Lord, with his feet shorn with the the uh, readiness of the gospel of peace. Lord, I pray that he would take up the shield of faith um, and that he would be able to withstand the flaming darts of the evil one. Lord, I pray for him that he'd take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and to do battle in the spiritual realm by the power of your spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Yeah, so when I see there's a note here that maybe you were also wondering about, uh, is there a way to rebuke these things or pray against them? Or was that just a more of like a request for prayer, or was it a theological question, like is it appropriate to do that? Um, that was just honestly like a question. I've, I've also re- read the Bible honestly daily, and he does tell me that through the Word of God and His strength that you have the power to overcome anything on this earth. And yeah, that is yeah. True. I, I was just thinking about one thought, you know, and that's this, that sometimes I hear people when they'll pray, they'll like speak against, like speak to a demon or speak to the, the devil. And I always think, man, this is a really important verse about this in Jude chapter one, verse nine. And here's what it says. It says, when the archangel Michael was contending with the devil, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment but said the lord rebuke you and i just think about that a lot when i pray is that i want to ask god to do things especially when it comes to demons and the devil i don't want to presume you know like it said that mike even michael the archangel didn't presume to speak to satan as a rebuke but to ask the lord to rebuke and judge him and, and that really helped me uh, as far as how to pray in these instances and I would just remind you that, you know, the idea of spiritual battle, it's really interesting because I think a lot of people, they imagine it as being like this kind of tug of war, right? Where you got God on the one side, Satan on the other side. And and they, they sometimes say, you know, if you don't get on God's side and pull, you know, do pull your weight, so to say, with the, in this tug of war, then who knows what's going to happen? And I think the good news that we have, and I think it's really encouraging, is yes, we are in a battle. Yes, what we do matters. And yes, also, God has already won the victory. And he even uses some of these spiritual battles for our good to help us grow to, and even to help us shine his light even more in the world. And so I would just encourage you in that, that you can have confidence and strength in the Lord because he has already defeated Satan's sin and death on the cross. So anyway, God bless you, Juan, and uh, be praying for you and your dad. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, that's honestly what I wanted to pray. And I've been praying for him for a while. I know he starts steered away from the faith. So. Uh, and I thank God for honestly giving me the courage and to honestly call you because been, I've been listening to you for probably two years and I never called. So. Cool. Hey, so good to hear from you, Juan. Really glad to, to have you on. <laughs> thank you. You have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 
3000 and you can also text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Nick in Maryland. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Um, calling in reference to John chapter 21 when Peter is talking, I mean, when the Jesus is talking to Peter, asking mm -hmm. him if he loves him, and, Jesus, and Peter responds, you know that I love you, and feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And Peter, uh, Jesus asks that question three different times. The first two times, he is saying it differently than how Peter is responding with, this, with love. But the third time, Jesus changes the type mm -hmm. of question, the type of love, to the way that Peter was responding, and why wouldn't Peter know that and recognize that and seemingly get annoyed. And then the second part is where he's talking about uh, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Could that be a reference to people of age? Like we think of lambs being young and sheep being older, but of course following Christ as, as you know, Christ's sheep. Yeah, you know what? I love that passage, and I'll tell you why. Um, you're absolutely right, and it, I, here's what I love about it. I just see this gentleness in Jesus, um, which is so, just so gracious, right? The way that he treats Peter is so, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Honoring, I want to say, it has so much, he gives it so much dignity, and he has so much patience with him, and I love that. And, you know, one of the things, I actually got to go to this place. I don't know if you've been to Israel if you haven't, I really recommend you go sometime. There's this place that often skipped over by tours, and it's called Peter's Primacy. And at this place, Peter's Primacy, there's actually an old dock. And if you read there in John 21, it says that Jesus was standing on this dock. You remember that Peter, he like takes off his clothes and he sees Jesus and swims as fast as he can to the shore to be with Jesus. And Jesus is there cooking um like lunch for them on this dock, which is actually made of stone there. And it's just this, this part is so cool because they, um, they are having this moment and what's happening in this moment. Why does he say it three times? What's happening here is the restoration of Peter. And that's what's, that's what's, I think the key thing to see here. This isn't just any old conversation. Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times. And what I think is so cool is that Jesus is the one who comes to Peter seeking to restore him. Because here's what happened. You remember Peter, of course, on the night when, when Jesus was betrayed, that Peter, he uh, said, Lord, even if everyone turns against you, I would never do that. And Jesus says, watch it, Peter, because before the cock crows three times, you will deny me three times. And so then Peter, of course, he's at the fire the girl asks him, hey, don't, don't you know this Jesus guy? Aren't you one of his disciples? Didn't we see you? What, don't you have an accent? And Peter's like, no. And he like, it says he curses. And he says, I do not know that man. And then he runs away. And he realizes, he hears the cock crow, and he realizes, oh my gosh, I did it. I denied Jesus. Which you think about, Peter had looked down on, um, he had looked down on Judas so much. Because Judas denied Jesus, and there he was. He didn't only deny Jesus once. He actually denied him three times. What's so tragic is then that Judas goes off. He commits suicide, 
which shows us that Judas, he felt remorse over what he did. But rather than, than repenting, rather than seeking restoration, he goes and ends his life, which is tragic and terrible and sad. But we see with Peter a different response because Peter is there on the day when Jesus resurrects, which means that Peter went off. He felt very bad about what he did. And I, I believe that Peter felt that he was disqualified to continue in ministry. And this, this gets to your question in just a second. But it's just that Peter felt disqualified, and yet he returned to the church. He, came, or he returned to the body of believers, right? He returned to the body of disciples. And he's there on the day when Jesus resurrects. And he's still there, but it seems that he's taken a step back from ministry, probably feeling that because he has committed this sin, because he has denied Jesus, he's no longer equipped to be a, be a teacher. And so that it's in that place that Jesus speaks to him. He, Jesus seeks out Peter, right? He's gone back to fishing. He's gone back to the old life. Yeah, and it even says in Mark 16, Jesus says to him, go tell his disciples, or the, yeah, the angel, I'm sorry, the angel says, go tell his disciples and Peter, right? Isn't that interesting? Peter's singled out. Make sure you tell Peter that Jesus is resurrected. So Jesus comes to Peter, seeks him out, seeks to restore him. And at the way that he restores him is by saying, Peter, you denied me three times. Well, here's three opportunities for you to be, to, to us to reverse, so to say, to restore what was made up. Yeah, and he says, do you love me? And Peter, and here's what he says, do you love me with agape love? What is agape love? The perfect love. Unconditional. Yeah, but it's the perfect love. It's the love of God. Yeah, it is yeah, the yeah. fullest form of love. It encompasses all the other forms of love. And and what does Peter say? I almost it almost like makes me you know, almost breaks my heart to hear Peter say this. He says I love you like a friend. Yeah, but I don't take that as Peter um being like not wanting to go as far as Jesus wanted to go. I take this as Peter ashamed of himself. You ah, know what I'm saying? Okay. Do you love me with perfect love? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you basically as much as I can. Like, I want to love you with perfect love, but I clearly have not. I've fallen because short. of his denial. Yeah, and it's, I think it's an admittance of, of his shortcomings as a person. Because, here's, you know, sometimes when we sing these songs in church that say, I love you, Lord, I think to myself, that's true. I do love the Lord, but I certainly don't love him as much as he deserves. I don't love him as much as I ought to. And yet I do love him. And I think that Peter is saying something similar. Lord, you know that I love you with imperfect love. So then he asks him again. Oh, he tells him, feed my sheep. What is he doing? He's restoring him to ministry. He's saying, Peter, I know you've sinned, but I know that you still love me. And even though your love is imperfect, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. I want to restore you not only to a relationship with me, but I want to restore you to ministry. And he says, Peter, do you love me again? You know, with perfect love. And Peter says, no, I don't, but I do love you. And then he says again, okay, Peter. Basically, Jesus is meeting Peter at his level. Peter, do you, do you phileo me? Do you love me with brotherly love? And Peter says, yep, I love you with that love. And Jesus says, okay, good. You're back in ministry. That, that's my take on the passage. One of my favorite chapters in the, in the Bible. I think it shows us Jesus' love and Peter's humanity and this interaction between them. I got to tell you, one of the best. It's like pure gold. 
why would he use lamb and sheep? I mean, I understand sheep, but why would he use lamb? I don't know if there's, yes, sometimes I, I don't know if there's any real, um, you know, special meaning for that. Just maybe trying to mix it up. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. You know, I, I think they're the same thing. The lambs, of course, being younger sheep, perhaps that's what he's saying. You know, I have, think about that. A, a lamb is much more vulnerable than a grown sheep. And so, you know, he's saying, Peter, we've got these lambs out here. Who's going to feed them? I want you to feed them. I know you've messed up but you love me and I want you to feed them and, you know, feed the sheep, the young ones and the old ones. But Jesus saying, you know, somebody's got to shepherd these people and Peter, I want you to do it. And a, a thought, another thought I just had was maybe um, not necessarily a, a being lambs being necessarily young as in age, but young as in believers. Absolutely agree with you. Wow. All right. That's nice. Cool, that, Nick. That, that, that gives a good picture. You teed me up. That was easy, Nick. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. All right. Bye-bye. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We're within five minutes of the end of the program. I'm going to go over to some text messages and check those out. First text message comes in from uh, someone in Colorado Springs. They say, hi, Pastor Nick. Hope all is well. Two things. Is Pastor Jeff Figs okay? Yes, Pastor Jeff Figs is just fine. He's going to be back. He has just been taking some time off for vacation and things like that. And uh, this was scheduled in ahead of time. And Pastor Jeff is doing well, but I'm sure that he would appreciate your prayers for him and his church there at any time. But as far as I know, uh, he's doing just fine. This was just a scheduled time off. Uh, another question, do you have any thoughts about YWAM that you can share? Yeah, I've I've known a lot of people who've worked with YWAM over the years, and I, um, I have uh, very good opinions about them. I know they tend to lean a bit charismatic, but I think as an organization, they are a good one. And uh, I know that a lot of people have gone through their discipleship training schools and really benefited from them. I know that we worked with them in conjunction uh, in Budapest when I lived in Hungary. They had they did some good work there. We worked together with them. And our worship pastor here at Whitefields, his father worked for many years with YWAM up in the Pacific Northwest. And um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the place, Something Bay. It's, it's this place where it's a native population and they, they were helping out with, um, with a home for uh, women and so I know that they, they were doing some really excellent work up there. And so, yes, I, I think they're a good organization. I think with everything, we should always, you know, be, you know, just measuring things according to the Bible and the scriptures. But uh, as far as I know, you know, my interactions with YWAM have always been really positive. So uh, thanks for your question. Okay, here's another question via text. I was told that animals do not go to heaven because they do not have souls. Is that true? If so, how does Jesus return on a horse? Yeah, there's a joke out there that goes like this. You know, there's only two animals in heaven, a horse because Jesus rides on one and cats because there are harps. So hope that didn't offend any cat lovers out there. Hopefully they can make harps out of different things. Not to mention, in fact, I don't actually think there are going to be harps in heaven. But, um, you know, there's a really interesting book out there. Very good book. I was actually skeptical about it when I first picked it up. I, I thought it would be cheesy or that I would find things in it that I would just kind of cringe at, and it was not at all that way. The book is called Heaven, 
by Randy Alcorn. And I really recommend you get a copy. Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And in that, Randy actually makes an argument for why he believes that there will be animals in heaven. And uh, basically, it's because he, see, he explains that from the Bible, you see that heaven is not an ethereal realm, but a very much a physical realm. It will be a, a restoration and a rejuvenation, I guess you could say, of earth. And as such, you know, he would say that you also see things like lion and lamb sitting down together. Now, some people would say that's the millennial kingdom. Other people would say that that's actually a picture of heaven. I would, I would tend to agree with Randy that there will indeed be animals in heaven. So hope that answers your question. Thanks for the text. And we have about 60 seconds left. So I need to... Okay, that's a uh, tough questions. I don't know if we can get these done in 60 seconds. One says John 151. I'm going to look that up real quick. John 151. And here's what it says. Truly, you will see heaven opened and the Son of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I have a really great answer for you on this question. Has this been fulfilled? Uh, you will see the Son of Man... Here's what he's saying, and I don't have time to explain it in a lot of detail, but Jesus is making a reference back to Jacob's ladder, the ladder connecting heaven and earth. And Jesus is basically saying, I am Jacob's ladder, and you will see, you know, the, I am the bridge between heaven and earth. I'll give you more on that some other time. God bless you. I got to let you go. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. Check us out, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com or nickcady.org. God bless you. I'll see you again on Friday. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.